Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Live from the Hill, our very own Jamie Dupree with the latest news from D.C. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C., and he is on his way to the Snooze Fest Democratic debate. It's so bad, CNN is freaking out that nobody's going to watch the thing. They're, they're basically begging Joe Biden to get into the debate. Where are you now, sir? Sean, I'm changing planes in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, getting ready to head out with a bunch of other reporters. Everybody seems to have ended up here to head out to the debate. Should be interesting. I mean, as you mentioned, they uh, they do have an open podium for the vice president if he wants to show up, but it certainly doesn't look like he wants to show up. And I just still think, Sean, every day that goes by that he's not in the race, this would be a perfect time to splash into it and get a whole lot of attention. But Vice President Biden still hasn't made up his mind, so you'll have Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and if you can name the other three, you get some points for paying attention, uh, because it'll still be interesting to see how they figure into this debate, because certainly they can go after the top two as well. I don't know what this means, because Martin O'Malley, Jim Webb, and Lincoln Chafee are the other three, and you're right, I bet most people can't name them. Yeah, and look, I think, I'm sure O'Malley is very frustrated at this point, because he really envisioned himself as being the alternative, sort of the progressive alternative to Hillary Clinton, and instead, Bernie Sanders has filled that uh, role, and not only filled it, but to the point where he's ahead in some places. And Jim Webb, you know, Lincoln Chafee, I don't think is going to play much, but Jim Webb, I wonder about, too. He's sort of the anti-establishment kind of guy, gruff guy in the Democratic Party. I'm not saying he's going to catch fire or anything, but if there's somebody that I would watch other than O'Malley, it would be Jim Webb. So, you know, the, most of the attention is going to be on Hillary and Bernie. You know, do they tangle? Do Is there anything that they go back and forth on? Or, you know, it's a lot like the, the Republican debate. Remember, this is their first opportunity for some of these people to really introduce themselves. You don't want to come out in a real nasty attack mode if it's the first time that people are ever seeing you. You think this new Hillary, I'm not even really a human being. She's now gone back from being mean again to trying to be funny. And I don't know, I, I, this is just unbelievable how she vacillates back and forth between these numerous personalities. The Clinton camp, apparently, according to Ed Klein in the Sunday New York Post, is worried about a Hillary meltdown. Apparently, she's been screaming and having tantrums and... It's left many members of her staff in tears and unable to work, and she thought the nomination was hers for the asking, but the mounting problems have been getting to her, and she's becoming, quote, shrill and at times even violent. Well, if we look back at 2008, you can find the examples where Hillary Clinton had good debate performances and where things did not go so well for her, and I think some of those are very instructive because in that sense, it was the same kind of thing. They thought that she was going to win. I'm sure she thought that she was going to win, that there was not going to be any interference or any big challenge posed by Barack Obama or John Edwards or anybody else. But that's not the way it turned out. Now, this time around, again, I don't know that anybody is going to go after her in terms of na someone named Bernie Sanders, but I would expect Martin O'Malley uh, to go after her. And, and, you know, I would think that the, the moderators, much like they did in the first two Republican debates, will find a way to sort of try to poke at them. I mean, think about how many times that in the first two Republican debates uh, that the moderators, either from Fox or CNN, try to sort of jab and say, hey, what about this? Or you said this about that person or something like that. So I don't think this is just going to be a nice, easy two-hour debate where everybody just gets to talk and and uh, sort of uh, lofty rhetoric about what they want to do. I would think that CNN will be a lot like they were in that debate out at the Reagan Library. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We've got a lot of busy days and weeks and months coming up here. 
Uh, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods, D.C., on Thursday and Friday of this week. I have two speeches that I'm giving there, one to the Heritage Foundation and CMP, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Before we get to the Republicans, uh, did you hear Chelsea Clinton was at a book signing? And my my take on this may surprise you, but let me let me play what would happen. Hi, Robert. Hey, Chelsea. Um, has your mother ever told you that you're the daughter of Webb Hubble and not Bill Clinton? I'm so proud to be my parents' daughter. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. One more quick question sure. about this book right here. Sure. Uh, you say it's targeted towards teenage girls? It's targeted actually to kids, girls and boys. Would you say that Bill Clinton also targets teenage girls, except for sexual reasons? Uh, I would say my book is really resonating with kids. I was at the Ann Richards School earlier today, and I'm so grateful that it's resonating to the young girls and the young boys that I've been talking to across the country. Thank, Thank you, you, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just find that just so inappropriate, so over the top and mean, and I, I think she actually handled it with a lot of grace. I, I hate when people target the children of candidates. I hate it. Listen, I, I think that uh, uh, if you're ever thinking about getting into public office or anything, you should study that little exchange yeah. because there were so many opportunities for her to go off the rails or say something back that might have gone the wrong way, and instead she just kept her cool and moved on totally in that yeah, she did i thought she did a masterful job i felt sorry for her i think it's now if somebody asked hillary those questions well i think it would be appropriate she's the candidate but the daughter is not the candidate leave the daughter leave the kids alone and you might say well she's an adult candidate she's married as a kid i don't care she's not running for office and, you know, to go at her so personally like that, just ugh, I just thought it was so over the top. All right. Let me ask you about this. There was an article today that uh, I, I, did you watch Obama on 60 Minutes last night? I did see some of that. Yes. It was the first time I ever thought that Steve Croft, who has been the go to suck up interviewer for Obama, actually went at him. And I thought he looked really bad on the Putin answer. And he seemed to throw Hillary under the bus and lift up Biden. And there's a report out today that Barack would actually like to see Deval Patrick run on the same ticket as Biden and doesn't want to see the Clintons back in the White House. This is all part of the ongoing feud. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I guess I would look at it this way. Again, we're talking about people who aren't even in the race and somebody who really hasn't been mentioned much uh, to be involved in the race. So uh, I think that, again, if the vice president wants to get in, and he wants to derail Hillary Clinton. He needs to get going. I, I, you know, to me, this would have been the perfect place for him to go. Would have been right there at that first debate, make a huge splash, and get an awful lot of attention. He would have clearly been the story if he had decided to do that. But he hasn't. Now, obviously, you can wait a little longer. But I don't know. To me, it's just it's an opportunity that's missed. This will be the only debate for the Democrats, Sean, that is during the week on a weekday. Every other debate that they are having that is scheduled right now is scheduled for either a Friday night, a Saturday night, or a Sunday night. Yeah, when nobody's going to pay attention. Yeah, you will not get as much of attention. And, and you know, just talking and uh, figuring out my schedule with my bosses, we decided not to go cover any debates that are on a Friday night, a Saturday night, or a Sunday night uh, in the primaries simply because you just don't get as much bang for your buck in terms of getting out there and getting attention and getting coverage and more. And the, the Republican debate, again, at the end of this month will be on a Wednesday. That'll get much more juice. And that's why I think there's so much interest in this one, not only the first one, but because it won't be overrun by either the holidays or weekend college football and more. What do you think? I, I spent a lot of time this weekend talking to different Freedom Caucus members, the House Freedom Caucus members, and they're out of town this week. 
So Congress is not in session. I don't think a whole lot is going to get done as it relates to the race for speaker, unless Paul Ryan were to announce that he's getting in. And every indication is he doesn't want to get into this race. And there's been a growing conservative backlash at the idea of of Paul Ryan being speaker because of his position on immigration and a bunch of other issues. Well, uh, Dan Webster told me on Friday that he thought the race was sort of frozen right now, and I'd have to agree with that. I think uh, the only news you're right that can happen this week is sort of will Paul Ryan run or won't he? And as you mentioned, all the all the signs from him have been negative. Uh, I don't think that in the end that the Freedom Caucus, that their members, sort of the Tea Party guys, are going to accept Paul Ryan. I think that uh, some of them might, but, you know, to me... Paul Ryan, and I don't say this in a, in a mean way, I just sort of think it's the truth. I don't think Paul Ryan is going to be able to guarantee things to them that they want that he feels like he cannot deliver on. And that's what and that's so, basically what Gingrich said on, on Fox News Sunday, and he's going to join us coming up. Yeah, and, and again, this is, you know, I think it's sort of the same thing that the, the, the more establishment leadership looks at the guys who want dramatic change. They agree with them. They want dramatic change but they don't think that they can guarantee it. And I don't think that Ryan wants to go through the, the firestorm of being having his legs cut out from under him by members of his own party, and I don't think the conservatives are going to want to just go ahead and give him carte blanche. So I don't know where this is going right now, but I, I agree that everything is sort of on hold until he decides one way or the other, because uh, with lawmakers out of town this week, I mean, they can talk to each other, they can text each other, they can email each other, but realistically, everybody's they're just waiting for Paul Ryan. Uh, I think all of that is true, and I think he has every indication that he doesn't want to do it. An issue has come up with my colleague at the Fox News Channel, James Rosen, and he discovered a major flaw regarding the Obama administration's Iran deal. The New York Post actually editorialized about this today as well, and it turns out the Obama-Iran deal is illegal because of a law that Obama himself signed in 2012, and uh, key elements of the deal conflict with federal law and cannot be implemented, and unless Congress changes the law... But since majorities in both houses oppose the deal, why would they help the president on this deal? Anyway, it's the the Iran Threat Reduction Syria Human Rights Act signed into law. And this can only specifies that anything like this can only happen if Iran is removed from the State Department's list of terror sponsors. And the president certifies that Iran has permanently ceased the pursuit of weapons of mass destruction. Now, Iran has loudly said that they won't stop boosting terror, and the deal doesn't even pretend to stop uh, permanently Iran from getting nukes. So to me, it seems like a big legal challenge is now on its way, which we didn't anticipate. Well, you can certainly bring that and get it in the courts. I'm sure somebody's uh, looking at that in Congress. I mean, I don't know how quickly the courts are going to move on anything like that, and whether or not, uh, because it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not considered a treaty, it's considered just a... Uh, a, a sort of a, a deal between the countries that in multiple countries. I don't know whether or not there'd be legal standing to bring something like that. That's always been the big question, like with the Obama health law, that's made it so difficult for some of those provisions to be challenged. But if there's legal stuff there, I would assume the Republicans, somebody would be after that sometime soon. If, if maybe perhaps they need standing from from a, a banking institution that holds some of the Iranian money that wants to not turn it over, uh, that could maybe maybe they would have the standing in the case. So that's something we're definitely going to watch. The, the president pretty much surrendered by saying that they're taking all troops out of uh, uh, Syria now. Remember, we had been backing Syrian rebels that and, and arming them and training them with the hopes that they would topple Assad. And, of course, Vladimir Putin's first attack was not against ISIS in Syria, but against the, Iran- the American-backed troops 
Uh, and, and he basically fired a proxy war at the United States, and Obama's reaction last Friday was just to get out. Yeah, this is, I think this is a dangerous environment right now with uh, the Russians and the U.S. almost engaged in a, in a proxy war, in a sense, in Syria on different sides. And it's just going to take one simple little mistake by somebody uh, to create something much larger. We've already seen the, the possibility of it sort of spilling over into the airspace over Turkey and the questions of the Kurds and more. I, I think there's people genuinely worried in the in the Congress and in the foreign policy arena about where this is leading, regardless of what the U.S. reaction is. But the involvement of the Russians just is such a a major a game changer in, in maybe not in a positive sense in terms of what happens there. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so now you're waiting to get on your next plane and you're heading out to the debate. Where's this debate again? Uh, the debate's going to be at the Inn Hotel in Las Vegas. It's up on the north end. Yeah, the by the way, really, really tough assignment for you. Go into the beautiful Wynn, I think, has the nicest rooms I've ever been in. Uh, so well, I, don't, I don't get to stay there. It was a little above the, uh, shall we say, the daily allotted allowance. Well, uh, so are you, you going to be playing a little blackjack while you're out there? You know, I would hope so, but here's the problem, and this sounds ridiculous, but usually what happens is we get into the uh, into the filing center so I'll go in there tomorrow, probably about 7 a.m. Pacific time, yeah. and then not come out until close to you know midnight or so. That's just so, when that's um, just when the hotels get going. That's the best time. Now what? Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, except then I got to be on the air in a few hours after that for the East Coast. So don't worry, yeah, we'll there take. There won't be as much. Uh, there won't be as much playing as uh, as I would like, but that's a because supposedly yeah. the Republicans are going to have a debate in Nevada in December, and I yeah. would assume that would be in Vegas. And the third presidential debate next year will be back in Vegas. So I, I think that there'll be several opportunities to uh, take a bite from that apple over the next year, Sean. All right. So who is, you know, you're looking out now and you see your liberal colleagues there. Name some names that are on the plane with you. Um, the only one I've seen, my uh, buddy Jerry Woodlander, who's with AP Radio, who I've worked with on the Hill for a number of years. Yeah. I would assume that most of the big shots took the nonstop flights and unlike us, are uh, connecting are not connecting around the country. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I would Jamie, think I, probably I, went out yesterday. Let me negotiate your next deal. You, you need direct it's flights. Not that, it's, it's not that. It's, uh, it's uh, juggling all my different responsibilities on the air. It's uh, sort all of right. hard to find a time to fly anymore because I'm on the radio too much, but that's a blessing. All right, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington. Thank you, sir. Safe travels. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.